When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Age of Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hey, because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time once again for Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Big Man. Joining me, as always, of course, is my brother Cooper. Cooper, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Been busy, busy, busy today, but I'm ready for this. What about you, man? We got some wrestling talk. Yes, sir. Not only are we talking wrestling talk, we're talking extreme rules. And it was actually extreme. The whole pay-per-view, dude. It was insane. It's cool. It's about time. Thank you. Thank you, Triple H. I'm kind of liking this Triple H regime. Oh, yes. Keep it up. Can't wait to figure out what happens next. But let's get down to the matches from Extreme Rules. Let's do it, man. It's surprisingly in Philadelphia, but not in the bingo halls. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. All right. So, first match was... The Brawling Brutes taking on Imperium in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. One day removed from Sheamus and Gunther fighting for their second Intercontinental Championship match, the two led their respective factions into a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Donnybrook Theater was not, this was not, as the two factions used every weapon they could find to deliver heart-racing carnage. Imperium would control the early minutes, dispatching the Brawling Brutes with haste and dropping Sheamus onto the bar at ringside. Ridge Holland turned the tide by showcasing his impressive power when he dropped Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci onto the mat. The upper hand was short-lived, though, as Kaiser and Vinci uh, would strike Highland uh, with an Imperial Bomb onto the floor on the outside of the ring. Uh, with WWE Universe at a fever pitch, the Celtic Warrior and the Intercontinental Champion began to trade haymakers in the center of the ring, with Sheamus hitting 10 beats of the, uh, the broad hand on the King, uh, the King, uh, sorry, the Ring General, before connecting with a broke kick. Vin, uh, Vinci pull, uh, broke up the pin, possibly saving the match for Imperium. As Sheamus locked Gunther in a cloverleaf, um, the win seemed to um, certain for the Brawling Brutes until Kaiser would jump into the ring and strike Sheamus with a shillelagh. The shillelagh again reared its ugly head when Butch and Holland held Gunther down long enough for Sheamus to hit his rival in the face with the weapon. Sheamus doubled down on the rampage by implanting or planting the Intercontinental Champion with a Celtic cross through a table, taking Gunther out of the match. Unlike the night before, Gunther reigned supreme. When Gunther reigned supreme, the Brawling Brutes delivered in their match, coming out victorious after Sheamus knocked out Vinci with a brogue kick. 
Cooper, your thoughts on the carnage on the Donnybrook? This match was nuts, dude. They were all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's about damn time we get some extreme rules stuff going on, dude. This Donnybrook match was freaking amazing, dude. From top to finish, I loved it, man. Uh, you know, I mean, I even liked it when, uh, when was I know what's his name, Butch, but, you know, we all know it's Pete Dunne. Mm-hmm. I loved how he went over and he started, like, stretching his fingers. And, sh- and when he does that, dude, I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. Right. Like, fingers, you don't want to bend them the wrong way at all. No, so, you don't. Yeah, those are very painful. I, of course, enjoyed the fact that we started off on a real good note, got um, right into the carnage of the whole match, giving you real good Extreme Rules vibes throughout um, the Make you through the make it last through the night, which was fantastic. Yeah, man, it was so. It was it was different. It was mm. a different kind of feeling. So it was cool. Yes, sir. All right, next up we had Ronda Rousey challenging SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan in an actual Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Women's Title. With Liv Morgan trying to make it three and zero against Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet, was right in her element in an Extreme Rules match. Not for the faint of heart. The SmackDown Women's Champion tried to blind Rousey with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> fire extinguisher. <laughs> but the baddest woman on the planet came back in emulating Bryce Harper with a home run blast with the midsection of Morgan with, with Morgan's own baseball bat. Morgan had her best chance at victory when she hit a code red with the assistance of a steel chair, but the challenger kicked out before the three count. Rousey again uh, escaped the loss after Morgan hit a sun-tone off... Um, to smash Ronda Rousey through a table. Morgan would uh, could not enact enough damage to defeat Rousey as the baddest woman on the planet. Put Morgan in a bicep crusher while pressing the side of, more, of the broken table against her own opponent's face, which made the SmackDown Women's Champion pass out. With a victory, Rousey became a two-time SmackDown Women's Champion, while Morgan seemed to bizarrely smile after the contest. Yeah, dude, I think maybe she was a little uh, out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't understand the whole smiling thing. I think it was more of a, like a facial twitch, maybe. Uh, I don't think she was full on smiling, bro. I think maybe she was trying to check her teeth or something. Cause it just, you know, it just, I, I don't see why she'd be smiling. I, I can come up with a reason why I'd be smiling. I mean, you know, Ronda Rousey basically had her butt right on her head. So I know that's why I'd be smiling. Well, that's a little bit different. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't nothing about what we're talking about. And anyways, by the way, you know, we're getting all our information from WWE.com. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to check it or whatever, I mean, we'll, we'll read it for you. Thank you, big man, for that. Because, you know, if it was me reading it, you don't want that. Yeah, it's about the same thing as about our ugliness. You know, we can't have too much talking from Cooper. We can't have that much ugliness on camera at all times. So, you know, that's why we do what we do. There we go. <laughs> all right. Um, I I thought it, I thought Liv gave it her best effort. Um, it's just, unfortunately, she would have basically would have had to do almost everything that Lesnar did in the last man standing match against um, Roman when you know when he tried to bring out the tractor, try to flip the ring over on him, and all that. I mean, basically, she would have had to bring out every single piece of equipment to be able to try to stop Ronda. And I don't think she still would have stopped Ronda. It was basically uh, Rousey's championship to win. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm kind of glad she won it. I know you were kind of you didn't care either way, but 
I, I didn't like the whole what happened on uh, SummerSlam, so it was a redemption for Ronda, and yeah. I enjoyed it. But I did, I will say, I did like the senton that Liv Morgan did off the top rope onto her on the table. That was cool. I like that. Yeah, and so of course this doesn't end in controversy, so you don't have to worry about whether or not someone legitimately won the match. So that helps. And then, yeah. you know, I I enjoyed um, Liv's range. I think she worked hard to earn uh, at least a short reign, even though, you know, it probably lasted longer than some people thought it would probably. Yeah. Especially you, because you, like you said, you thought she was going to be over at SummerSlam. That round would have. Well, the there was controversy there too. Well, so. yeah, but I'm just saying that was the controversial where um, Rousey wasn't actually pinned because she had a shoulder Liv up. Was actually uh, tapping out at the same time. Yeah. So. So I mean, so we, that's understandable. So she ended up hanging on to it longer. But that's like I said, I didn't. It didn't bother me anyways that you know Liv was still champion. Um, I was good with it either way. Of course, I am a Ronda Rousey fan. I'm glad she's back in. A, you know, I'm okay with her being champion again. So and, of course, she's going to be on SmackDown. You know, Fox has got to have their... they got to have their MMA people. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, that's where Lesnar will end up. So, definitely interesting to see what happens moving forward with that, though. Because uh, uh, WWE is already teasing the return of the Queen. So, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Next up, we had Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre in a strap match. In the first strap match held at WWE Extreme Rules since 2013, Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross collided for the first time ever with only 12 feet of leather between the two of them. Before the bell rang, though, Cross initiated mind games by throwing the strap outside the ring to Scarlett, who would pull McIntyre into the corner and allowed the Doomsday Superstar to beat down the former WWE Champion. The, uh, the fight then erupted into, a raucous, into the raucous Philadelphia crowd with the two behemoths beating each other to bits before finally getting back into the ring officially start the match when Drew McIntyre actually forced Cross to be into <laughs> uh, into the strap. Um, whatever the wrist brace for the strap. Yeah. Uh, Cross then went straight to McIntyre's weak shoulder, slamming McIntyre's shoulder first in the ring post. Cross then used the strap to brutal uh, to brutal effect, silencing the Philadelphia crowd with the sound of leather on the skin. McIntyre, though, would fight back, winning the strap off. That's a weird thing to say. Uh-huh. Before planting the Harbinger of Doom with a future shock DDT. Scarlet, though, however, once again got involved, stepping in front of McIntyre as the Scottish warrior was about to connect with the Claymore in a hideous act. Scarlet blinded McIntyre with pepper spray, allowing Cross to connect with the cross hammer and pick up his victory. Your thoughts? Um, I mean, everybody's going to have their opinion on this, and... I know some people are going to be irritated. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to think, oh, well, you know, he they cheated to win. But you know what? There's no rules. I mean, it is what it is. Um, it's annoying. It's annoying. It sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about this match was you had, like, two bulls going at it, dude. They, they were just big. Mm-hmm. But you knew that Scarlet was going to be the, the X Factor. She was going to be the one to decide what was going to go down. Yeah. And, and I kind of like it, dude. I, I, I miss having valets and people that come down the ring with you. And, I mean, I, I like what her and, and, and Cross are doing, but... Uh, I, I don't know. He, he hasn't done enough for me to think that 
he's going to be somebody big in the WWE yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But I, I don't know. I think that's the only way he wins against McIntyre is if he cheats. Probably. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I had a hard time with it, with it. You know, I mean, obviously, I can't be upset too upset because you know it's the rules. So you can do whatever you want. It's a strap match. It, you know, there's no disqualifications because you're strapped together, leather bound strap. So you're allowed to use it as a weapon. You're allowed to use anything as a weapon. You can have someone interfere in your match and have it be okay yep. because that's just the way the rules are. And I agree with you, but I think what it just irritates me more is it seems like the further we get along through the year and everything else, the further away McIntyre seems to be away from the championship picture, and that's what bothers me the most. Because I don't think he really got a fair shot at getting into contention against Roman, where he was kind of thrown into a match because of Clash of the Castle was in, um, you know, was in the United Kingdom, which is giving him, was giving him a bit of a home crowd advantage. But other than that, it was basically just a, a throwaway match, and for uh, the, Roman. the thing that sucks is is wrestling nowadays. You, you pretty much know if the championship's going to be dropped. Yeah. Back in the day when we were kids and things like that, you had no idea what the hell was going on because you didn't have all this, you know, social media and insider information with this, that, and the other. And I mean, that's the thing that sucks, though, is you know you see somebody as talented as him. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting pushed further and further away from the championship when he carried the company during the freaking pandemic. Right. Come on, man. I mean, and he beat Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I, I see it. I, I'm irritated with it, too, and I don't really like the, the uh, way they're going with Roman where Roman has to rely on the rely on the um, bloodline to to do anything because yeah. you know we've seen Roman before then and Roman beat Brock Lesnar on his own he never needed help with none of that shit right even when he was with the shield he was the d- mo- more dominant out of them all oh yeah so I mean to <clears throat> see them push him back and make him be this like prize fighter now mm-hmm. it's like okay Alright. Yeah. It's a little weird. It just sucks to see somebody like Drew McIntyre. Like you said, if they split the titles up, it would be a lot better. Yeah. Because then we get a champion on each show and we wouldn't get one storyline that falls week to week and then that's it. Right. So. Yeah. So we'll see what happens going forward with that though. So hopefully. Sorry, I went on a little bit of time. It's okay. Remember, this is this is your night, so this is your episode. <laughs> so it's your soapbox all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I hop on my little ones here and there because, you know, like this, this is an irritant because it's like, you know, that's been our biggest complaint. It's like you kind of dropped McIntyre after he took you through the pandemic. And we already admitted, you know, granted, Roman probably would have too, but we understood why he, stood, he kept away because he didn't know how his yeah, immune system was going to handle it. Because of his leukemia. Totally respectable. Understandable. 100%. But to disrespect Drew McIntyre like that was uncalled for. And I thought hopefully with this creative change we might see it. But then I guess Karrion is kind of a bit of a Triple H guy. So maybe that's the other reason. Yeah. And I don't like how they're throwing the one out there. 
at him all the time now. And it's like, you know what? The chosen one is what what he kept calling him. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like, he's farthest away from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is, he's the Scottish Terminator. There's no calling him the chosen one anymore. That's yeah. just flat out asinine. Right. All right, next matchup. We had the uh, Raw Women's Championship on the line as Bianca Belair defended the title against Bailey in a ladders match. Like I said, man, I was so happy that we had stipulation matches stipulations all night. Stipulations all night. All night long. All night long. All night. <laughs> Anyways, in the first one-on-one women's ladder match in WWE history, Bianca Belair and Bailey went toe-to-toe in a demolition derby of a title fight. Much like past ladder matches, Bianca Belair and Bailey went to their new heights as Belair used the hard steel and to her aid in a maniacal moonsault. Bailey would un, uh, took umbrage with the Philadelphia faithful, tearing up a fan sign before connecting with an elbow at the heart of the EST onto a ladder. The role model removed a hinge from her own knee brace, though, as to use as a weapon, but the Raw Women's Champion hit Bailey with a KOD. Uh, just as Belair looked to grab the title hanging above the ring, Dakota Kai and uh, Eo Sky, or it's Eo Sky, I think they Eo pronounced it. No, I thought they said Eo Sky on the pay per view. It's Eo. Eo? Okay. Attacked the champion, uh, but, the B, but the EST nailed both of both the members of Damage Control with a double KOD. The Mayhem gave Bailey enough time, though, to recuperate and shock the EST with a rose plant. Bailey then trapped Belair under the ladder, but Belair muscled her way out by lifting the ladder up, up above um, herself and uh, with the role model still on it. In the closing moments, the Raw Women's Champion used the broken half of the ladder to hit Bailey with a vicious KOD, driving her face first into the steel. With Bailey out of commission, Belair uh, had the last laugh, scaling the ladder to retrieve her Raw Women's title and remain champion. I like this, dude. Um, it solidifies her championship reign. Mm-hmm. Especially in the fact you, that you're outnumbered pretty much. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I really like it, dude. And I, I that whole ending was just like, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, literally, Bailey picked it up, mm-hmm. knowing she was on top of her shoulders. I'm like, are you going to drop that? Are you going to drop that? Are you going to drop that? No, you're not going to drop that. No, you're just going to hold on to it and get dropped onto it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the? But, dude, her face was all bloody and all that after that. Yeah, it, it was, was crazy. It was crazy. I actually, honestly, I know they talked about Asuka and um, Alexa Bliss had been eliminated by damage control earlier in the week. I think it was Monday Night Raw, I believe. Yeah. And, um, you know, but what I honestly thought to myself, though, was like, I really kind of thought that maybe we would maybe see Becky return and help her out. Because, you know, we haven't seen Bailey, in, I mean, not Bailey, Becky in a while. So I thought maybe Becky might at least come down with a weapon or something, a steel chair, anything to try to help at least somewhat even up the odds. But, of course, they went ahead and let Bianca maintain her abilities as one of the more strongest women in the um, on the roster and... Uh, that ended up working out just fine for her. But yeah, but like what you were saying, and uh, it was kind of toward the end of the match when she took out, took out the uh, Eo, was it Eo Sky and da- Dakota Kai and Eo Sky. Yeah. yeah, when she took them out, you and I both were kind of like, "What?" 
Yeah, well, because you mentioned too, you're like, that's it? That's all it took for them to be gone? Yeah, I mean. To be done? They were done after that. They get double KOD'd, and then I'm like, because I see her climbing, and I'm like, okay, where are they at? Because it's been like, it was almost five whole minutes yeah. after the KOD, and then you see him when when uh, Bianca Belair is on top of the ladder, and they do the camera angle to show her after she grabbed the belt. You see him just then getting up. I'm like, where have you been for five minutes? Yeah. You've been laying there for five minutes after a KOD? Come on. It's just, it's a, that's a little, that's it's a far-fetched. A li- it's, yeah, a little bit stretched there. I mean, I, I get it. You're trying to make her look strong and stuff, but that, that was a little far-fetched because, I mean, you took Bailey getting hit with a KOD in a ladder in her face to put her officially down. That's fine. I can buy that. Yeah. But when it's just a KOD, a double KOD onto the mat, and then they roll out, what are you doing for five minutes? <laughs> that's what, that's that, just where it's bothering me. They was napping. I, I guess. I mean, just because I feel like I need a nap don't mean I want to be hit by a double KOD and then take my five-minute nap. Right. So that's, that's what bothered me about that. That's the only thing that bothered me about that match. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Bailey win because you know I was happy Bailey returned. Oh yeah. Um, and I have nothing against Bianca. Bianca's been a really good champion. Um, they did her right after what seemingly like screwing her out of what was it SummerSlam the year before. Yeah. yeah when yeah. Becky made her official return after, you know, her time away from pregnancy and raising her kid for a little bit, and you know having her pinned in five seconds. You know, or whatever. Uh, technically, I guess it was 10 seconds because the match shook hands and then did it. The three count was all about 10 seconds. But yeah. uh, that was a little disrespectful. I didn't like that. But then for her built back up again, I'm like, okay, at least you built her back up so it doesn't look so bad. Yeah, it's just, it, you get to the point where it's like, when is the title going to change? Yeah. I mean, really well, honestly, I mean, it's cool to see somebody hold a title for a long time, but. At the same time, it gets boring, dude. Like seeing the same person hold the title forever. All right. All right. Next up, we have Finn Balor taking on Edge in an I Quit match. And boy, did you get to hear some foul language. Oh, yeah. A battle in the making uh, since the Judgment Day turned on Edge. The rated R superstar finally got his hands on the main uh, perpetrator, Finn Balor. Balor employed a a new viciousness wearing a fabulously spiked beauty of a mask uh, to signal the rated R superstar that touching him would be harmful. After a heated brawl throughout the arena that featured a wild melee at the kickoff set um, as well as Edge welding a hockey stick to try to get Balor to give up, the rest of Judgment Judgment Day would charge the ring. Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio helped their brethren after Balor was locked into an educator, or educator, sorry. Uh, Edge dispatched the dark group by hitting a spear on Balor uh, through the ropes onto the rest of the Judgment Day on ringside. Rhea Ripley showcased her cunning, handcuffing Edge to the top rope, allowing Judgment Day to begin a three-on-one beatdown. Edge's friend Ray Mysterio came down to provide backup, but Dominic viciously assaulted his father, sending Ray into a ring post. Uh, Balor was unloading with the kendo stick beat down on Edge before Beth Phoenix came to her husband's aid and took the kendo stick away from Balor before pummeling Judgment Day with the weapon. Rhea Ripley then interrupted the proceedings, engaging in a fist fight with Beth Phoenix. 
After taking care of Ripley, Phoenix unlocked the handcuffs and allowed Edge to kick uh, Dominic below the belt before executing three spears on uh, Balor. As Edge was about to hook in a submission on Balor, Ripley blindsided Beth Phoenix with a brass knuckle strike. This let Balor hit, a coup de hit three coup de grace on the ha Hall of Famer. Uh, the Prince of... Oh, they just call him The Prince. Sorry. <laughs> almost went The Prince of Darkness on that for some reason. <laughs> the Prince then turned to Edge's family to secure the win, forcing Edge to choose between winning the match or seeing his wife struck with a concerto. Edge chose family and uttered two words he said he said he would never say, I quit. Edge's admittance was for not, though, however, as Riley, uh, Ripley sorry, struck the steel chair on Phoenix anyways, stunning the WWE Universe. Cooper, your thoughts? Yeah, man, this match was crazy. It was all over the place. And then when everybody else got involved, you knew something was going to go down. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but at the end of that, it was like, even even being a wrestling fan that I've seen plenty of people get the concerto, mm -hmm. seeing Beth, Beth Phoenix get it, I was like, oh my God, dude. Right. Because, I mean, it's just... You, you felt the intense moment of it all, and, ah, oh man, that this is crazy, dude. Edge, you, you would never think he was going to say, I quit. Never. No. He, he would have, if it was just about him, you would have had to knock him the fuck out. Yeah. And then just maybe end the match because he's so beaten to hell, you have to just end it. Yeah. Just because. Um... Because that's just kind of the way Edge has pretty much been. Um, of course, we all remember how brutal of matches hit between him and Cena and I quit matches oh, um, yes. from before, from previous years. Uh, of course, I still always pretend that my favorites were Orton versus Cena and I quit matches because yeah. it, I, I think I always felt that Orton took Cena into another element that Cena never liked to go to, which I always liked. <laughs> right. um, don't get me wrong, Edge. Edge kind of would take him there, but Orton, because of the mind games Orton really plays, um, it really takes Cena there. It's really weird. It definitely does, man. Um, whereas, despite the kind of psycho Edge that you kind of get, it's still in the realm of reality where it kind of goes way out of not with Orton. But anyway, so... Um, it was, it was crazy. It was unbelievable. Um, there was. I, I think I remember saying at the end of the match, "How do you follow that?" Yeah, you did. Because it was like, like, dude. I mean, everybody was. It was so quiet in there after that, that cherry shot. That you just like, oh god. Yeah, it was. It was nuts. Um, and yeah, it's different when it's someone that you don't think would ever be hit with a concerto gets hit with a concerto. Yeah. Um, especially being a female. You're just like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and it, it, so it, uh, you know, it's understandable that he ended up having to say it because it's just like, <laughs> but to have it be for not anyways, this makes it even worse. So. Yeah, and I think this only feel, fuels their feud. I don't think it's over yet between them. Oh, it's definitely not <laughs> over. They they got a we got a long way to go on that one for sure. So, we got one more match. Are you ready for it? Let's do it, brother. All right. 
In another grudge match uh, befitting Extreme Rules, Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins would tear each other apart inside the fight pit. The first ever match of its kind at a premium live event. I loved it. It was good. Right? Riddle had previously stepped inside the fight pit, competing in one during his time in NXT. Muddying the waters was the inclusion of Daniel Cormier, or Cormier uh, the special guest referee for the contest. Riddle looked to his MMA roots, hitting Rollins with a sidekick with, uh, while using the cage as momentum. As Philadelphia was singing Rollins' tune, the visionary used devious tactics to get out of the triangle hold, thumbing Riddle's eye. As Cormier was checking on Riddle, Rollins pushed Cormier out of the way, drawing the ire of the official, who repeatedly told Rollins, Do not touch me. Rollins emulated WWE Hall of Famer Rob Van Dam, hitting a five-star frog splash off the off the top of the catwalk that was not really true he was on the he had the frog splash from underneath the catwalk and it was, off the cage and i'm sorry but there was no rvd status yeah just because he was trying to dress like rvd didn't mean, <laughs> didn't mean nothing but anyways much like a few weeks ago the visionary locked in the peruvian neck peruvian there we go uh-huh. necktie but riddle countered with an rko after riddle attempted another rko rollins escaped and struck riddle with a stomp, Rollins scaled the catwalk, uh, leading up to a fist fight at the top of the fight pit. Using the catwalk to his advantage, the architect then hit the original bro with a buckle bomb, or rather a fight pit cage wall bomb. <laughs> Rollins connected with a pedigree on the catwalk, barking at Cormier to start counting, even though he couldn't win that way under fight pit rules. Uh, an RKO onto Rollins on the catwalk gave some breathing room to Riddle. In an insane feat, Riddle flew from the catwalk, hitting the visionary with a broton. Uh, let's see here. Riddle then locked in the triangle hold, forcing Rollins to deliver multiple buckle bombs in an attempt to get out of the submission. Uh, Riddle weathered the storm and kept the lock, uh, the hold locked in, forcing Riddle, uh, Rollins to tap out. On this night, uh, experience proved key as the original bo- uh, bro garnered retribution in his rivalry with the visionary, coming out on top inside the fight pit. Dude, that that was a crazy match, brother. And yeah. I mean, it was either you get knocked out or you tap out. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's that's just nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that whole thing was insane. Um, we did get the point on the catwalk where um, Rollins was standing on the edge, kind of gloating um, towards the crowd. And Riddle was starting to get up. I'm like, oh my god, he's not even about to hit him with an RKO off the catwalk. Because that would have been insane. Yeah, That would have ended the match. There's no way you can tell me Rollins would kick out after that point. I would give up just because of that. I'd be like, you know what, go ahead. If I'm Even if I was supposed to win that match, I'd be like, you know what, you hit me with that. Go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Right. Because there's just no way I'm getting up from that. Um, it was insane. It was cool. Um, it didn't. They did kind of blow past the fact that Riddle accidentally did hit Cormier with an elbow when he was trying to lay a beat down on Rollins, which stopped his beat down on Rollins because of the inadvertent elbow. Um, so both competitors had issue uh, caused an issue with Cormier. So, but what I like about Cormier is he he stayed neutral to the whole thing. It was pretty good, man. And mm-hmm. I mean, it could have it could have went. To you know, one of two ways. He either could have been overly aggressive with both of them, or he 
could stay neutral, and that's what he did. So it was nice because usually when you get like a special referee, special guest referee, they usually have a motive behind whatever they're doing, and it's mm-hmm. it gets irritating because you already know what they're gonna do. But I wasn't sure what he was gonna be up to, so it was nice. But, yeah. Well, what I enjoyed was the fact is they did say that. Um, Cormier was a fan of Rollins. Um, you know, he, they, there's, I guess, a, a video of him celebrating Rollins cashing in at WrestleMania, the money in the bank. And then also he has respect and everything for, um, you know, Riddle because of their, both their MMA background. Yeah. So he, he didn't come in, re- at first I was like, well, that kind of seems to be a problem that he's such a Rollins fan. But then I was like, well, no, he has that MMA style background and, you know, as long as you guys don't truly hate each other, you at least have respect for each other. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I kind of felt like, well, that will keep this fairly even then in that aspect. Or he won't take, he will set aside his fandom for Rollins and keep it more of a neutral balance because he respects Riddle uh, and Rollins. And I, I just would have thought it would have been funny, though, if he would have had to beat one of their asses, because that just would have been funny to me. Right. <laughs> you know, that would have just been me, but, you know, that's just how I am. Because <laughs> nothing wrong with me feeling like a special guest referee shouldn't just go ahead and get involved. <laughs> I know. That was about the only time that, didn't, you know, he didn't. So, it was still cool, though. So Yes, sir. All right. So. We're officially done, even though that was the last match. In the weeks leading up to WWE Extreme Rules, a mysterious presence seemed to be stoking the imagination of the WWE Universe. That would be the White Rabbit. This mysterious persona left clues and messages hidden all over WWE programming with QR codes, excuse me, sending the WWE Universe spiraling down the rabbit hole. As WWE Extreme Rules was going off the air, the White Rabbit revealed himself to be none other than a returning Bray Wyatt. Who seemed to be bringing back his whole Firefly Flun uh, Flun Fun House entourage? After catching a brief glimpse of the fiend and broken down in a broken down fire, uh, Firefly Fun House, the WWE Universal verse erupted into a roar as Wyatt entered the arena with Wyatt blowing out his signature lantern, simply stating, "Run!" One of the most unsettling, unpredictable, and downright creepy superstars in WWE history. What does the sinister White have planned after making his jaw-dropping return? Cooper, we were anticipating this return. Your thoughts on it finally happening? Finally, brother. Finally. Um, I think they had to bring Wyatt back. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest here. I mean, he, his merchandise sales says it all. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, he's a cash cow. Yeah. So you got to do what you got to do. They brought him back, and I can't wait to see the storylines. It's going to be quite interesting. And being the fact that it is the month of October, it's going to get creepy. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was already creepy, so now we're getting even more creepy with it. But yes. I, I was, needless to say, not surprised it was Bray Wyatt. We kind of already knew it was going to be. You know, we kind of killed it with KFAB, but that's us uh, in that aspect. But... Uh, the rumors about it. Or what's oh, the, the characters. variations of who's who's going to be involved and all yes. that. Yes. 
are yeah, running crazy, rampant, man. and it's crazy. Um, and it's an official signing that happened recently, and some people believed that this person has played the Fiend a couple times to do the separation of Bray and the Fiend when they were supposed to be separate entities. So it is kind of interesting to see what's going on um, with that. Um, I'm looking forward to that, actually, to see how they kind of pull that all together, especially since, you know, Triple H is back in front of creative, um, controlling the main roster's creative, and it's gonna. so I'm looking forward to that. And if you haven't already heard, Bray Wyatt will be making his return to SmackDown this Friday. going to be nice, dude. I can't wait. Yeah, and I'm sure he has somebody in mind to talk to. <laughs> uh, head of the table, maybe? Yeah. Probably a head of the table he would like to have a conversation with. <laughs> but uh, I'm... It's interesting. I'm kind of like wondering what they're actually going to do. Are they going to have him be the Fiend? Or is he going to be Bray Wyatt? Because he came back as Bray. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's actually going to be. If they're going to keep him and the Fiend separate. Or if they're going to eventually mold him back. And of course, even though she's on Raw right now. Does he still have to deal with something that happened with Alexa Bliss? At WrestleMania a few years back. So yeah. was it, Or was it the pay-per-view after WrestleMania? Uh, I think it was the pay-per-view after. You're probably right. Well, anyways, we're, it was him and Orton and that whole weird way that ended. Yeah, that was strange. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because I never understood the whole reason of releasing him when everybody knew the reason why he really wasn't wanting to compete was the loss of Brody Lee. It's like, dude, just let him have some time off. Don't freaking release him. That was stupid. Let him take the time he needs to get his head mind in his head right, because that's what he needed. It's not fair. Yeah. What did you expect him to do? You you made sure that they were partners at one point, the part of the Wyatt family. Well, let's be honest here too. We we're dealing with a new a new era. Yeah. We're dealing with someone who actually has has some sense to them. Okay. Because let's be honest, for a while now, Vince McMahon has not been completely there. Yeah. I mean, his he, he's just not rational with his decision making. So, I mean, to to get rid of your number one cash cow, not a good idea. Which kind and of and then the whole Braun Strowman thing too threw me because I was like, he was just in a title match and then you release. Yeah. Which, again, kind of makes me feel like that that hush money was being done because he needed to release people. He was, he was spending too much money. He had to figure out a way to, to supplement yeah. supplement that. And he had to get rid of his over-bloated contracts that he kept saying he had too many of. And I'm like, well, that kind of looks like your problem, bud. <laughs> yep. So it's really starting to look bad that way. Um I, I'm just glad though we we kind of know we kind of now know we have the return. I'm looking forward because now we're on the on our way to more moving towards um, the Royal Rumble, which of course we always look forward to because that means we're officially on the road to, to WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, we do have of course two pay per views coming up. Uh, we do have the Saudi event and then uh, the, which is the Crown Jewel, and then of course um, Survivor Series, which is going to be. Um, I'm going to have War Games 
at it. I know you weren't too enthusiastic about war games. I, I don't know though, dude. I mean, after this pay per view I just seen, anything's possible now. So uh, I'm I'm actually this has got my interest, dude. I, I'm ready to start watching some wrestling again. Yeah, it it's got to be something because, like we said though, you've come you've converged both rosters basically. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense to have a SmackDown versus Raw match anymore. Yeah. You kind of have to have these, you have to have something to kind of pull it because you've gone so far away from Survivor Series, which was originally just basically faction versus faction is basically what it was. Yeah. You know, whoever got the better faction, we're going to find out with these many matches, whatever, between these matches and, you know, feuding factions, you know, the... The Ministry of Darkness versus the wasn't it the Corporation or something like that? Yeah. So you know, and you had others too, but it's just like you need to throw in a title match, um, you know, in it too, just to make it a little bit more interesting, you know. And but then, as the years progressed, then it just became when SmackDown finally came around, and you know, you're kind of finding new ideas. Well, it became well brand versus brand, understandable. Because you basically did have two separate brands. So it kind of made sense. But then you would bring them together at some point, And then right after WrestleMania, you'd separate them again. So that way you could do Survivor Series where it makes sense. And then you'd bring them back. And it's just like a constant ebb and flow of the roster just being pretty much the same anyway. So yeah. and now it's basically the same. So you got to come up with something new. So try and war games. So we're going to see what happens with it. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise, Survivor Series, they're going to have to figure out something. Otherwise, they're going to end up just replacing Survivor Series. It's going to go to the wayside. I which I don't know if they could replace it, man. It's been around for a long time, so. I understand that, but at the same time, you got to come up with a concept to keep it going, though. Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen what they did with Extreme Rules, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be fun no matter what they do. Because, you know, I'm been for years actually kind of wondering if Extreme Rules was ever going to survive anymore because you only got two matches basically you get usually a main event men's championship match at Extreme of Extreme Rules and you just might throw in another match no one cares about being Extreme Rules but at least they went every match had a specific specialty stipulation to it which made it Extreme Rules and, and let's be honest here I mean, with AEW, mm-hmm. I kept saying I was all in with it. You haven't been all in at well, all. Guess, <laughs> guess what? Uh oh. I'm back with WWE. Oh. I'll tell you what, dude. Boom. It's uh, <laughs> the creative is so much different now, and uh, every all the drama going on in AEW right now. I don't know if it's gonna last. I don't know if they're going to... I mean, the only thing that's going to keep them afloat for a while is the fact that they have some older WWE guys over there and the fact that Tony Khan has money. Yeah. But he keeps pissing Daddy off. He ain't going to have much, so... Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that part. What else is going to help them is the fact that they have an open partnership with New Japan Wrestling and Impact. And they have Ring of Honor now, too, yeah. Well, they basically bought Ring of Honor. They bought it, yeah. To basically, you know. But, you know, this weird thing, it's just like, 
that's the only saving grace that you have. Otherwise, you don't have a lot going on now anymore because you. It's I don't think it's AEW's fault that no. Punk did what he did. I don't blame them for that. That that was not like oh my god we saw that coming a mile away. No one really actually saw that coming because we thought he was happy. You know, he took his time off. He comes back. He, you know, gets a pop that he deserved in Chicago. You know, he's, you know, we thought he was going to be there to help lead this company towards the fight against, you know, um, WWE. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people jumping ship. And then when you lost Cody back to WWE. Yeah, that for me was when it was like, oh. That was the, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Because it's like, because they're like, because you start seeing the rumors pop up. Cody's going over to WWE and you're like, what? Like bullcrap. No, he's not. He's the executive vice president of the whole entire company. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it becomes more solidified, more solidified. And the next thing you know, there's fucking Cody Rhodes. At WrestleMania, and you're like, I didn't want to believe it, but fuck, there he is. Right? And and the fact that, you know, I mean, he was their top guy. It makes you just like, I know for me, it made me feel like, okay, AEW is not all what it's cracked up. Yeah. Because if somebody can offer you a big enough contract, you're going to go elsewhere. Yeah. And whatever's going on in within that company is why he left. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'll, and I'll, and what surprised me was that they never could get Bray or Braun to come. Yeah. That was surprising because I thought, well, for sure, it only made sense. Granted, yes, unfortunately, Brody Lee passed away, but he went to AEW. Uh-huh. Eric Rowan has even made appearances at AEW. He didn't officially and, and sign. No, he's officially signed. Yeah, I've seen that. He's officially signed with AEW. I recently just saw an article that he's about to be signed to WWE. I just seen something like today. I think this is he signed with AEW. Oh, well, maybe he did. But I'm just saying though, Eric. You know, now he's Eric Redbeard, but um. It's it's it just makes sense to just bring him over. At least Bray. Yeah, and then make him the leader of the Dark Order. You know, and it, but it, it, it we just never hear anything, and you never heard anything. He's, he's all you heard when it came to Bray. He's taking more time, and he wanted to work on his movie. And you're like, okay, but you'd think you'd be like, you'd think you'd have him by now. You just be like, okay, here's your contract. Let us know when you're ready after your movie's done. Yeah. And we'll, you know, and here, let's go. But you never even heard that. It was weird. Because usually, too, if they got a movie going on, they'll promote it and all that other shit. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and then when they never got Strowman over, I was just like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Because you kept hearing about all these other guys kept going over. Miro came over. Keith Lee came over. So you're just thinking, any time now, you should be hearing, here's Braun Strowman. You should be hearing, here's Bray Wyatt. You know, whatever end they end up being, because it's not necessarily yeah. they would have been Strowman or Bray. But, you know, whatever. You know, whatever they may have been. 
it's just it just kept throwing me off that I'm like we didn't even hear anything and then all of a sudden you hear oh Strowman's coming back to WWE and as soon as I heard Strowman was coming back I went watch this watch Bray's coming back because mm-hmm. if Strowman's back Bray's coming back because there ain't no way he's going to to anywhere else if he's coming back to wrestling at all it's gonna be WWE and I was right I feel a little happy about that. I was right. <laughs> but uh Yeah, I'm kinda glad that they're back with WWE, especially everything going on with AEW. It's imploding and Yeah. I mean I'm gonna be happy to see I know um Alistair Black might come back to WWE after all the crap that's been going on, but we'll see. Yeah, um, that also depends on which rumor you actually hear from going on in that one too, because that rumor's He's still technically signed with AEW. Yeah, he's, but he's been allowed a sabbatical. The other one, he's he's been actually has been released. He's going to take his time, and he has a no compete clause, anyways. Yeah, because AEW was finally smart and went. You know what? We might not want to let him have a compete clause, and we might not want him to compete right away for WWE. But yeah, it, AEW man, you got to get your shit together. Otherwise, you're about to go. Well, I mean, isn't that how Cody freaking was able to do what he did? He didn't have a no compete clause, and that's how he was able to jump ship so quick. Yeah, well, I mean, it also helped that he also actually wrestled without a contract a couple times. Yeah. Um, And also, he was EVP. So basically, he was kind of the one in charge of contracts, honestly. So he's like, uh, is that a no-compete clause in my contract? Uh, hey, Tony, we got to remove that, bro. I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> right. Or I ain't signing. And Tony went, well, you know, probably no big deal. Removed. And Cody's like, dumbass. <laughs> and signed it. Yeah, it is what it is, man. It's just crazy, dude. But I... I'm glad to see WWE finally starting to flourish, and I love how the fact that they're they're starting to get to the point where um, you know how when people come up to the main roster they would lose their character and they'd have to like switch everything around. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have it set up where people can develop their characters and keep them going into the main roster. Which so, is smart. Which, it, it definitely takes a lot of stress off people, and and it makes it, you know, easier to uh, develop a character and, and develop a fan base. Because, I mean, I mean, think about it, when Karrion Cross came over uh, the first time, and he was, like, wearing that mask, right? Mm-hmm. It was reported that he actually was laughed at when uh, he wore that mask. Hmm. So, he's he's happy to be back again without having to worry about all that. And he was pretty happy with with the way uh, Extreme Rules went, which, duh. But you know. Oh yeah, of course he's happy. I'd be happy too if I ever won a wrestling match. Yeah. Especially against Drew McIntyre, I'd be really happy. But uh, I mean. Because that, that was one thing that we always hated about WWE to begin with. It's like, we see these really cool characters in NXT, but unless you were already established outside of it, like at Impact, or uh, or at New Japan Wrestling, or mm-hmm. ROH or something, you were getting changed. Yeah. 
you may be brought in as what you were out there, but then you would change in there if you weren't a big name. You know, we'd only get to see Samoa Joe get to stay the same. AJ Styles would get to stay the same. Um, who else would we see come over from? Well, they came say, came say Bobby Roode because Bobby Roode would full on change. Yeah, but then he just come over as Robert Roode? Yeah, but I mean... That's not a whole lot of change. Well, now he's kind of like the dirty dog type thing. Well, yeah, they've changed his character since then, but he came basically as the same character. Yeah. But I mean, that was just that what always bothered or me. Or RVD or... Things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, if you went into NXT... Even Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho came over as Chris Jericho, but he was Y2J in WWE, but he was still Chris Jericho. Yeah, but remember, Jericho... Yeah. I've seen the interview. Jericho thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. He <laughs> so did. he was so he was so excited about it. He's like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave he gave props to, to Vince for that, because, you know, it was... You know, Vince has had good ideas. He has. But he's also had a lot of dumb ideas. That's the problem. <laughs> and as he's gotten older, it's gotten worse. Yeah. It, it got a lot worse. All right, man. So this wasn't supposed to be almost an hour, and it's almost an hour. <laughs> All right. So we're done then. This was fun, yeah. guys. Yeah, this lasted longer than it should have. But, hey, we got on the roll. So, you know, it's good when I mean, we can. This, this is how it's supposed to be, dude. We're supposed to have a good time. Yep. Talk. You know. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Yes. And, you know, I'm glad to be back doing this because it's been a while, dude. Yeah, I'm glad. And hopefully smooth, a little more smooth sailing from here on out. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> so we can actually do this quite often because that's what we love to do. We love to talk sports, wrestling and sports entertainment. And, of course, football. And, of course, baseball. And, of course, basketball. And sometimes we might just throw out something just because. Just something. Random. Field. Come on, Seattle Kraken. You're my huh. second favorite hockey team. like to see you do something good this year. Didn't have that good of an opening season. But you're still my second favorite. Though your mascot just made fun of my ducks. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't help it. I... Became an Anaheim Ducks fan because of the movies. So, the Mighty Ducks. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Right. <laughs> Plus, it's like, well, you don't have a professional duck team anyways, and I love my Oregon Ducks, so, hey. You know, kind of just, it all mashed together perfectly for me there. But, you know, we'll, we'll get it going. And, of course, we'll talk about some NASCAR, I'm sure. Um, the playoffs are winding down, so we'll talk about the champion, whoever wins the championship this year. I have no idea what the standings are. Or where the playoffs <laughs> So, eh. Do you? Nope, I don't. Oh, well. We'll figure it out next week when we do sports talk. Well, maybe we'll throw in a little bit of NASCAR update. That'd be cool. That way we can appease Grandma Carol. We love you, Grandma. <laughs> if you listen to the episode. <laughs> and Miss Wendy. Yes. We know you love your NASCAR as well. As well as pretty much almost anything automotive. Right. It's kind of cool. And then we know a, a car, car woman. It's nice. It's a car woman. Yes. Can't really say car chick. It might not be appropriate. <laughs> a gearhead. How about just... A, a, it's nice to know a gearhead like her. A gearhead like her, yes. Yes. How about that? We'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Football Talk. We had a fun weekend of football. Well, uh, Saturday was fun. 
Uh, <laughs> Sunday, not so much. <laughs> yeah. For either of us, honestly. Yeah. No, we'd rather not talk about it, but we have to. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And also, I can also tell you right now, I'm not trying to be mean, but I guarantee the happiest man on Tuesday was Tom Brady after what happened Sunday and then what happened on Monday Night Football. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. He's the happiest man Tuesday because he, he doesn't feel like he, he was just favored on Sunday because a lot of people thought he was getting a favorable call. And it happened again on Monday night, and so he's probably like, thank God they can leave me alone about it. Anyways, we'll talk about that more tomorrow with Football Talk. All right? We good? All right, we're good. All right, so that'll do it for us here tonight on Sports Talk. And as always, keep on talking sports. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Meta Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 